0: Um, I just finished a series in a uh, school of ministry on women in ministry. I used to be known for tackling the hard subjects of the Bible. And so I figure as long as I'm being brave and jumping in with both feet, uh, I wanted to go back tonight since pastor asked me to speak. And let's take a look at the book of Job. Now, how many of you know you can drown in that book? I have personally drowned in that book, all right? So we're going, that's where we're going tonight, is I want to talk about the book of Job, because I think we can bring some light to it that we desperately need. You know, Pastor and I have traveled the world, and we've ministered in a lot of different places overseas. And uh, matter of fact, I've ministered in 30-some nations Uh, Actually, if you count islands, I've vacationed in 50-some. No, I've I've traveled to 50-some nations around the world, but I ministered in 30-some. And even in some of the darker places of the world where not much knowledge of God has gone forth, most people know about Paul's thorn and Job. Why? Because the devil makes sure that gets out there to try to discourage people about the heart of our God. And, you know, I was reading this afternoon, which don't read online, people, anyway. I was reading, I Googled something about, you know, when did Job live? And I brought up this thing, and it was saying all these terrible things about God and what this book is supposed to have meant. And I'm like, dear Lord, I'm going to send you a tape after tonight. Uh, Because they were like, you know, god and the devil they were just having some weird one-upmanship one contest you know and poor job his life was destroyed in the middle and i'm thinking dear god everybody needs to move away from you so lightning don't hit you uh but there is a lot of confusion about this book and if we're going to understand it one of the first things we need to do is put the book in perspective let me ask you this how many of you would like to be like poor old job Ah, we got one brave soul who knows probably where I'm going. A lot of people associate this book of Job with suffering. But suffering is only a secondary theme. Listen, if you're like poor old Job, you're going to have a dynamic revelation of God's nature and God's power in your life. You're going to have enough grace to pray for people who have mistreated and harmed you. You're going to rise above bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. If you're like poor old Job, you're going to be healed. You're going to be one of the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. You're going to be an incredibly successful business person. You're going to have the most beautiful daughters in the land. You're going to have God himself bragging on you. Now, that's something to attain to. And you're going to live to a ripe old age. Job lived to be between 200 and 250 years old. Job lived a long, prosperous, blessed life. And the suffering we see chronicled in the book takes place over a very short period of months. It wasn't nine-tenths of his life. It was a few months out of over 200 years. How many of you have ever had a few bad months? The rest of Job's life was spent in great blessing and great prosperity. The book of Job is basically a snapshot of Job at the worst moment of his life. Okay, so imagine that they're creating this yearbook of humanity, All right? And they're going to come to your house, and they're going to get your picture. And then for all generations henceforth, that picture is going to represent you. Okay? We're just pretending. Hang with me a minute. So at 3 o'clock one morning... Somebody's beating on your front door, and they won't quit. They won't go away. So what do you do? You stumble out of bed with your hair every which direction, you know? I, I know y'all get up like I do. It is every which direction, okay? Uh, and, you know, your teeth's not brushed, and you're, you you know, got your jammies on. You're half awake, and you stumble over to the door, and maybe got some dried slobber down. <laughs> anyway, and you throw open the door, you know, like, what are you doing? And they take a picture. They caught you at your worst moment. That's what the book of Job is. It's a snapshot of him at the very worst moments of his life. It's just a few months out of 250 years of a blessed, prosperous, healthy life. Glory to God. Job was called one of the greatest men, one of the wealthiest men in that part of the world. Let's go to Job 1.1. Job 1.1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Verse 2. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Verse three, his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. And that was before he got double. This is at the beginning. Remember that in the end, God doubled him. But before that happened, he had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys. If you figure out what it took to care for just the animals, you'll find out this was not some mom and pop operation. People estimate Job would have had around 1,000 employees or servants to take care of the animals his ranch would have been about a half a million acres in today's dollars his worth was over 125 billion b billion annual income would have been approximately 100 million dollars and later job got twice that much I tell you, if somebody says you're just like poor old Job, you ought to raise both hands. Thank God, do a jig, because you are a blessed man or woman. Job is believed to be the oldest book of the Bible, meaning it was the first one written down. He had no Bible written to learn the character of God to see how God dealt with Adam and Noah and Moses and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Matter of fact, he probably came before them, the majority of them anyway. So let's say that the foyer lights are on, but the sanctuary lights are not, not even the exit lights. Uh, you know, if I was feeling really froggy, I would have had them turn them all off so we could see how dark it would be in here. But let's say it's so dark in here that you can't see your hand in front of your face. If somebody opened one of those doors that lead to the foyer, the lights are on in the foyer, some of the light from the foyer would spill into the room. But if the door is only open an inch or two, you won't have a lot of light in here. All right, y'all with me? You could make out some vague shapes, perhaps see a few chairs, and maybe that the, what the carpet color is. But the more the door is open, the more light that can come in, and the more we're able to see. With only a little light, things may look different than they truly are. Have you ever looked at something, especially when you were a kid, and you're like, what is that? That looks like a monster. And then, you know, finally you, you yell, get up the courage to yell, and your mom and dad flip the light on, and it's your hamper with your T-shirt strung over. You know what I mean? Uh, things look differently in the dark than they do when all the lights are on. What is my point? The book of Job represents knowledge of God where the door is just cracked at its very smallest point. And we need to be very careful to interpret the Old Testament in light of the New. That is actually a, one of the principles of, of correct Bible interpretation is that we, uh, we interpret the Old Testament in light of the more knowledge we have from the New Testament now. Why? Because the door is open further. More light is in. We can see more clearly. All right, are y'all with me? Now we have great revelation, and we can see and know tons more about God than they had access to in the Old Testament. We should not try to interpret the New Testament in light of the Old. We need to interpret the Old Testament uh, in light of the New, where the door of revelation is more open, where we have more light. And don't get confused uh, about that. Don't get confused about the New Testament because of something that was said in the book of Job. Are you with me? Listen, there's all kinds of stuff that was said in that book. I don't know. How many of you ever tried to read it? How many of you got lost and knew you in over your head before you got very far? Job lived before the law was given. Job wasn't an Israelite because the Israelites were descendants of Jacob. He was at the very most a contemporary of them, maybe even before them, all right? He had no covenant with God. He had very little knowledge of God. And Job said a lot of things about God that weren't true. Are you with me? Okay, don't throw anything. Let me finish what I'm saying, and then, then if, when I'm totally done, if you want to throw something, it's fine. How many of you know there's lies recorded in the Bible? Lies the devil told? When he said to Adam and Eve, you shall not surely die. How many of you know they bought the farm on that big fat lie? Uh, What is my point? The things in the Bible are accurately recorded, but that doesn't mean that everything that everyone, even the devil and everybody said is absolute truth. Okay, don't let me freak you out, okay? A lot of people have a lot of misunderstanding about God. Um, and, you know, the devil told lies. And and other people told lies in the Bible. Uh, you know, like when the old prophet said to the young prophet, come back with me. You know, the, God sent me here to tell you to come back with me. How many of you know that was a lie? There are lies recorded in the Bible, but we know they're lies. All right? All right. All right. I don't see anything hurtling my direction, so that's good. But Job said a lot of things about God that weren't true. How do we know that? Let's go to Job 38, verses 1 and 2. At the end of the book, God shows up. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. God appeared in a whirlwind at the end of the book and said, verse 2, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Yeah, y'all got the attitude. God was not happy with Job and his friends. I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you that way. I, I have, I'm a truth teller. I tell the absolute gospel truth sometimes at the absolute wrong moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I, I'm, a, I'm a truth teller. And so when I get upset with God... You know, sometimes I just say what I'm thinking. And I was a teenager, and I was really mad at God over something. And so I was in his face one night, you know, accusing him of not being faithful, accusing him of not taking care of me, accusing him of all kinds of stuff. And finally, I honked him off. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an encounter with God like that. Uh, it, his words to me are indelibly... Branded in my brain, I clearly heard him say, with great authority, put away from you this mistaken attitude of distrust and this suspicious tone with which you're addressing me. I mean, I'll tell you, I was probably 30 seconds from a lightning bolt. You understand what I'm saying? I was smart enough to shut up. But it took me a long time to realize what misperceptions I had of God. That God is good all the time that he is a faithful, faithful God, faithful to his word, faithful to his covenant for a thousand generations. You know, I can tell you, I've walked with God for 50 some years now and he is faithful to his word. I tell you, he has kept every promise he's ever given me. It may not have happened when I wanted it to. It may not have happened how I wanted it to. It may not have happened the way I thought it was going to happen, but he has always been faithful and true to his word I have 50 some years of experience walking with him and I'm telling you it's the truth what else did God say Job 42 5 well maybe not it may not be it may be Job not God Job 42 5 yes this is Job speaking after God tears him up for several chapters Job said, I heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Verse 6. Wherefore, I abhor myself, I hate myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. How many of you know at the end of the book, Job said, I had not a clue what I was talking about. I'd heard a few things. I thought I knew some stuff, but I obviously didn't know nothing. And I repent. I repent for all the things that I said that are accurately recorded in the book of Job. Are you with me? After God revealed himself, Job said, now I know better, and I'm sorry, and he repented. Listen to me. Chapters 3 through 37 in Job are a theological discussion between four people who don't know what they're talking about. That is the absolute gospel truth. We've looked at it. Job's already admitted he didn't know what he was talking about. And God was so honked off at his friends that he made Job pray for them for mercy from him. The bulk of the book of Job... Chapters 3 through 37 is a theological discussion between four people who don't know what they're talking about. God showed up and said your friends do not know what they're talking about. Who is this that darkens darkens understanding without knowledge? But Job couldn't open his Bible. He had no Bible. Do you understand? He couldn't open his Bible to John 10, 10 and see that it's the thief or Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. How many of you know that was thousands and thousands of years later? Job didn't know the difference. He'd heard a few things about God and you just got to love his heart. For not knowing much about God, his heart was so right before God. That's why the Bible says he was upright in all of his ways. And God knew it, and Satan knew it. you got to love his heart, even if he had some squirrely thinking in the attic. He couldn't turn to see that Satan was the one behind sickness and disease. Job thought whatever came, came from God, good or bad. I won't ask you how many in our day think that exact same thing. If I hear one more time, everything happens for a reason. Well, yeah, because the devil is mean. That's the reason. But what are they doing? They're blaming God for whatever it is, bad thing that happened. Job couldn't read James 1 17, which says every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variableness, not even a shadow of turning. God doesn't throw curveballs. You know what a curveball is? Something that looks like it's going to be good. It's right in there. And at the last second, it turns bad. Job had no covenant with God. It was before Abraham. Abraham. He, he, had, he was not a part of the commonwealth of Israel because Israel didn't even live yet. He's in what theologians call the dispensation of conscience, the dispensation of conscience. To further confuse matters, a lot of people don't understand the purpose of the book of Job. What in the world are we supposed to even get out of this book? Well, let's go to James chapter 5 starting at verse 8. This is the only New Testament reference to Job. Be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord, draweth nigh, verse 9. Grudge not one against another brother, unless you be condemned; behold, the judge stands before the door, verse 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. What are we supposed to be getting out of the book of Job? First thing I want you to notice is that word patient. You have heard of the patience of Job. That is not a weak, wimpy, passive word. No, not that you're to let the devil and the world and whoever else wants to just tromp all over you while you just lie there and take it quietly. No, it's not a passive word. It means to abide or to stand up under opposition. Not running from the pressure. Not giving in and giving up when the pressure came. It means to endure, to be steadfast, to persevere. It's a strong word. Notice the endurance, the steadfastness of Job. He didn't turn tail and run. Man, I, I, I don't know what kind of wife he had. Towards the end of the book, she just comes over, sees him in the ash pit where he's in mourning and says, Just curse God and die. I Tell you, getting the right one will make or break you. Williams translation of verse 11. See how we call those who thus endured happy. You have heard how patiently Job endured and have seen how the Lord blessed him because the Lord is tenderhearted and merciful. The Lord here is telling us that there are two main lessons to be learned from the book of Job. The New Testament here is telling us uh, that there are two main lessons to be learned from the book of Job. After reading the book of Job, this is what you're supposed to get out of it. All right. Number one. Job set us an example of steadfastness, perseverance, and endurance under great hardship. Job set us an example of steadfastness, perseverance, and endurance under great hardship. He didn't know a lot, but his heart was right. In the light of what he had, he did a splendid job. He he is presented as an example of endurance, of those who stuck to it, who didn't turn and run when the devil turned up the heat. The second thing you're supposed to get out of that book is the end of the Lord. Most people don't get out of the book of Job what they should because they're not focusing on what the New Testament says we're supposed to get out of it. If you got a group of believers together and introduced the subject of Job, everyone would want to focus on why this happened to Job instead of the end of the Lord. Do you understand? Sometimes when you're in a test, you can either see it through till you get to the testimony Or you can stop at the test, I moan why. Test, I moan. Break the word down in your brain. Test, I moan why. I won't ask how many of us have moaned why. That's where I was when I was a teenager. God got tired of hearing it. Woo! Listen to me. I was mad at God because some terrible things happened to me when I was a child that I was just coming to grips with as a teenager. But even if the Lord had explained it in that moment, I wouldn't have understood it because I didn't have the foundation in the word to have understood what happened. Do you understand? Sometimes when stuff happens, you just got to keep following on to know. The Bible says, follow on to know the Lord. You just have to take his hand and keep walking. And eventually I understood what happened. Eventually I got the knowledge and the understanding and he revealed to me and he showed me what happened and and why, uh, why what happened to me happened and how he couldn't have done anything about it. Because he gave parents authority in the life of a child, and the decisions they make can affect those children. Anyway, I'm not going to throw my parents under the bus. The New Testament doesn't tell us to focus on the beginning of the troubles, but the end of the Lord The real message of this book is to reveal the value of perseverance, steadfastness, and how the result of it is God's mercy and kindness and restoration being restored in our life. Job 1. 1. Lord, I'm wading in here. You ready? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect. Perfect mature, upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Verse 2, and there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. In that part of the world, he was, he's like the Elon Musk or the Steve Jobs or the I'm out of touch. Uh Huh? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett of his day. He was he was the big dog in his area of the world. All right, verse four. And his sons went and feasted in their houses and won every one his day, and sent and called for the three sisters to eat and drink with them. Verse five. And it was so when their days of their feasting were gone about gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus they did continually. So he had children who were out here, you know, partying, you know, whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, And then when they were done, he'd offer sacrifice real quick in case they'd done anything wrong. Well, how many of you know your parents can only carry you so far? That's not what we're talking about. Now there was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? This is the part that really honks people off. I don't know how many people I heard say, Why didn't he just leave poor Job alone? Why did he even point him out to the devil? We're going to get there. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth, God, doth Job fear God for naught or for nothing? Verse 10. Hast not thou made an hedge about him? He had no covenant. He knew so little about God, but his heart was so right towards God that even Satan said, you've built a hedge of protection around him. Now, how many of you know, when it comes to Satan's words, you know, sometimes you think, maybe, maybe not. But it's impressive that even Satan acknowledged God's hand on him. And about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Verse 11. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now. It goes on to explain all the catastrophes that came. All of his kids were killed. He lost everything. He, he lost everything. Um, sickness came on his own body. But I want you to notice after all these terrible tragedies, and it's 12 after, that's why I'm not taking the time to read all the tragedy. We just read the tragedy and go home, and I don't want to do that, okay? Uh, verse 20, this is after all the tragedy came upon him. Verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle when he heard and shaved his head. Listen to this. And he fell down upon the ground and he worshiped. He just found out every child of his was dead. He just found out that it was all wiped out. And what did he do? he fell down upon the ground and he worshiped. My goodness, the heart of this man. I would like to believe I would react that way. Verse 21. And Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave And the Lord hath taken away. How many of you know he believed that? We know the devil, I mean that God doesn't kill. But Job believed it. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. You just got to love his heart. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. To have said, you did this, where were you? Would have been to charge God foolishly. Because God didn't do it. Are you with me? But you got to love his heart. He fell down on his face and he worshiped God and said, he gave it all to me. If he wants it, he can take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You got to love his heart. Job was wrong in his thinking, but his heart was right. He thought God did all those things to him, and yet his first reaction was to worship God. Do you see why God was so impressed with this man? If you don't know what else to do, worship God. And you'll be all right. He was wrong in his thinking. Well, one of the reasons that he's such an outstanding Bible character is that he did the best he could with what he had and what he knew. And he did better without salvation and a lot of knowledge than we often do with salvation. I won't ask how many of you ever raised your fist to God. Or at least your voice. Even with the knowledge we have of God. The typical understanding of these verses is that God brought Job to Satan's attention. Satan was just minding his own business, and God dangled Job in front of Satan like bait. God said, hey, Satan, see that guy down there? For my own sovereign, mysterious reasons, I want you to wipe him out. I had a hedge of protection around him, but I'm letting you in, so sick him. How many of you know that's what a lot of people believe? but i want you i want to present to you tonight an alternative way of, of looking at this let's go to job 1 7 and 8 king james first job 1 7 and 8 and the lord said unto satan whence comest thou then satan answered the lord from going to and fro and from walking up from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it verse 8 and the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. In my Bible, there's a footnote that says, Hebrew literally says, Have you set your heart on my servant Job? James 1.8, out of the Young's Literal. Do they have the Young's Literal up there? Yes. Ooh. I didn't mean Job 1.8. Sorry. Job 1.8, not James. But that's a good one too. Jehovah saith unto the adversary, Hast thou set thy heart against my servant Job, because there's none like him in the land, a man perfect and upright, fearing God, and turning aside from evil? Do you understand? He stood out, not just because he was one of the greatest men in the East, but because his heart was so right towards God. And God was observing Satan, that Satan had put his uh, Job in his crosshairs, so to speak. God saw what was happening here on the earth. Again, if you're going to understand the Old Testament, we have to interpret it in light of the New Testament. So let's look at 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. In verse 7, it says Satan was walking to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. How many of you know he was not out there just getting his exercise? Satan is determining his victims based upon who he thinks he may devour. He walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. With Job, it wasn't a matter of God pointing out Job to Satan. It was God observing Satan's activities and asking him, you've set your heart to destroy my servant Job, haven't you? God saw that Satan already had Job in the crosshairs of his rifle scope. God saw that Satan was on the verge of attacking Job. He said, have you set your heart on my servant Job, or have you set yourself against my servant Job? He is upright in all of his ways. Go back to verse, let's try seven. I love how God brags on him. Uh, I didn't mean there. Uh, Job 1, 7. I'm sorry, I'm not being clear tonight. And I didn't give him a scripture list. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down in it, looking for whom he may devour. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered or set your heart upon my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth. Don't you? Oh, man, I would love for God to say that about me. A perfect or mature and upright person, one that feareth God and stays away from evil. Man. I, I would love to someday be on that list. God begins to brag on Job, verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, "Doth Job fear God for naught? Verse 10. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in thy hand. Now, you know, whether he had a hedge of protection or not, we don't know. We don't know his covenant. We don't know what happened before the law was given. We don't know all the rules of their covenant. Do you understand what I'm saying? The rules of their time. Maybe they didn't have a covenant. But they, you know, we don't know all the rules and, you know, what God had to do to bless or not bless. And, you know, it's uh, they had different rules than we have do you understand so we don't know maybe god did have a hedge of protection around him Um, but let's look at verse 11 and 12 but this is satan talking to to god but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face verse 12 and the lord okay first of all he was trying to goad god into attacking him i don't ever duh but duh God doesn't do stuff like that. Of course, he didn't do that. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only put upon, him, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, people have always read that as God saying, I'm transferring him over to you. All that he has is in your hand. I'm not really sure that's what God is saying there at all. The word behold means look. God said, look, all that he has is in thine power already. Why? Because he didn't have a covenant. God wasn't giving Job to Satan. God was acknowledging the truth that was, (coughs) which is he's already in your hand. Are you with me? In other words, Satan, you're the God of this world. And he's a part of that fallen human race. Even though I do esteem him and love him because of his heart, and he holds to me, he's a part of the human race, and you're the God of this world since Adam's fall. People think God gave Satan permission here. But I don't think Satan came up to get permission. I believe God was stating a fact. He's part of fallen humanity. He's in your hand already. I want you to notice verse 11, Satan tried to get God to strike Job, and when he wouldn't, God said, he's already in your hand. But God sovereignly put protection upon his body. Because of his heart. God was just being merciful. How many of you can say for sure that there was a time or times that God spared your life before you were ever born again? Before you ever had a covenant with God? Supernaturally, you got out of something you should never have gotten out of. Safe and sound, you lived through something you should never have lived through. What is that? The mercy of God. And the mercy of God was evident here. He said, you can touch all that he has. He's already yours. I can't stop that. Just don't put your hand on his body. God was looking for any legal way he could to help him. And even with us, he looks for any legal way he can find to help and bless us even before we knew him. Genesis 3.15 why? Why would Satan do what he's doing? Why would he do, Why would he attack, you know, poor old Job? Genesis 3.15, this is after the fall. He said, God, this is God speaking. He said, I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It literally says, thou shalt crush. Uh, he shall, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall crush your head. How many of you know from that time, Satan hated us? Well, really, he hated us before that because we're the sons and daughters of the living God. Why? Why does Satan attack? Why does he do mean things? Why does he, you know, people go through all these things? Because he's merciless. Because he's cruel. Because he's the God of this world. And he hates us because we're sons and daughters of the most high God. wouldn't surprise me if Satan knew that God knew he had his sights on Job and just came up to rub it in God's face. He knew that God loved and respected Job. What was Satan's objective? To kill Job? No. Verse 11. Job one eleven. But this is uh, Satan talking to God. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. Satan's objective was to get Job to curse God. To question God's integrity. To question God's honor. To accuse God. To, to steal trust in God from Job's heart. How many of you know that's still true of us today? Do you realize that if Satan would have managed to take us out, all he, he would do is send us home early? Ooh. I get to go to heaven just a little bit earlier than I wanted to. Ooh. How many of you know, eh, ain't that bad? But if he can get us to curse God, to turn on God, that would have hurt God. Even with the things that Job went through, with the tests and trials and things that come to our life, what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to get us to get in the face of God like I foolishly, foolishly did. And say, Your word is not true. You're not a God of honor and integrity. You're not true to your word. You promised and you didn't come through. You're not a good God. You make sick and you don't heal. Your word is not true. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get us to question God's integrity, to turn on him, to, to, to falsely and wrongly accuse him of, of wrong things he did not do. That's what hurts God. Listen, no matter what we go through, We got to understand what Satan's objective is. He's trying to steal your confidence in God. He's trying to steal your faith in God. He's trying to get you to shake your fist in the face of God. Why? Because as long as you trust him, he's in trouble. long as you've got your faith firmly planted, he's in trouble. He wasn't trying to kill Job. He was trying to get Job to falsely accuse God and get in God's face. How much of the world is doing that? Listen, God is a faithful, faithful God. If you've not won, then you make him keep playing until you do. It's like pastor growing up playing baseball in his yard. It's my bat, it's my ball, it's my rules, and we're not quitting until I win. Listen, if it's not won, then it's not done. Did you hear me? You make him keep playing. Oh, oh God didn't come through. He's not going to come through for you. You're, you know, you're never going to get out of this. Your kids are never going to get out of this. Shut up and sit down. We're going to play some more. By the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care how long it takes. Bless God. If you've not won, all that means is it's not done. Don't play into what Satan is trying to get you to do. In the end, we see that Job kept his integrity. Satan left. God healed and restored Job back twice what he lost. Did it take away the pain of that time? You know what? I'm sure. It took him a while. But how many of you know God can restore joy? God can restore health. God can restore relationships where it looks like there's death. You know, sometimes the devil's worked for years and years to set up things because pastor and I won't compromise. And so the devil has to work really hard to bring things into our life to try to destroy us. But you know what? I have found myself at points saying, Lord, here I am again in the middle of a minefield. Where's the next safe place to put my foot? I'm coming out of this minefield in one piece. I just need to know where to put this next foot. And mm, step by step by step, he'll bring us out. You're gonna find yourself on the other side. The scripture says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't live there, don't camp there. Don't stay there. Keep walking. Mm. Father, where? we're safe? Mm. Okay. Now, if we're now, Father, do you understand? He'll bring you out. Because we've seen even in the life of Job, the end of the Lord, that he is full of mercy, that he is full of compassion. That he restores, and he restores double what the enemy has stolen. The Bible says if you catch a thief, they have to restore double. At least double. He'll bring you out. Healed, whole, well, and blessed. If you trust him. Don't play into what the enemy's trying to get you to do, which is question God's integrity. Question his faithfulness. Question his integrity. And his willingness to back up his word. Trust me, as one who was on the other side of a thunderous rebuke from heaven. Thank God I was so young or I might have, who knows what. I shut up. Years later I apologized because I took his hand and I kept walking even though I didn't understand and he was able to bring me out and I was able to understand what happened and how I got in that mess to begin with and what all happened. Do you understand? Satan's mean. He's cruel. But I don't want you to think, like so many think, that it was just some weird contest between Job and or the devil and God. No, God saw that Satan had him in his crosshairs and he called him on it. Do you understand? Father we trust you. In the dark, when we can't see, we trust you. When we're in a dangerous place and don't even know the next safe place to put our foot, we trust you. No matter what it looks like, we trust you. Lord, help us in the middle of situations to do as job did and worship you when we don't understand because you're still god and father we know your goodness we know your mercy And we know you're bringing us out doubly blessed, everything restored.